Welcome back to our podcast, The Mac and Wooly Show, a podcast where we discuss and explore the intersection of spirituality and business leadership. I'm Nydia McGregor, one of your hosts. And I'm Jennifer Wooly, your other host. Last time we talked about the Lectio Divina, and this is also known as sacred reading. This time we're turning our attention to mindfulness. I'm sure that most people out there have heard about mindfulness. There's no shortage of mindfulness books and apps and devices. Uh, It's like it's everywhere. Companies like Google, Unilever, and Apple are offering mindfulness programs for employees. I read that there's even mindfulness snacks. I kid you not. I think that's called peanuts that you have to shell for yourself. Could be. Unfortunately, and this is related, there are a lot of misconceptions about mindfulness. In pop culture, the term is used so widely that it's almost meaningless. Are we talking about your unshelled peanuts? Possibly. Maybe. Um, Now, we can only touch the tip of the iceberg. This is a rich and complex topic. Um, We deeply recommend that you learn more about this. But in the most basic sense, and not to downplay the complexity, mindfulness is the ability to notice and pay attention to the present moment. I feel like I'm always paying attention. I mean, isn't that what we do? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, How many times have you driven home and wondered how you got there or eaten something and not even tasted it? One time, I'm not even kidding. I was eating a sandwich. I stopped to actually taste it and I realized I didn't even like it. (laughs) Sounds kind of awful. (laughs) For me, I can barely get through an email without my brain jumping to two or three other tasks that need to be done. I mean, seriously, (laughs) monkey brain swinging from one thought to the next, from branch to branch. Thoughts run amok. That's like me reading the newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) So mindfulness then is the reverse of all that, right? It's on focusing on the present. It's the kind of focus it's increasingly difficult with sort of all the different demands on our attention, uh, especially now. It's almost impossible to unplug. Everywhere you turn, there's a new notification and you have the opportunity to quote unquote engage. And this is funny because Alan Langer describes mindfulness as a heightened state of involvement and wakefulness. And John Kabat-Zinn describes mindfulness as the awareness that emerges through paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally to the unfolding of experience moment by moment. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I, that just sounds really hard because yeah. we're constantly distracted. So uh, Herb what? Simon. What? <laughs> exactly. Sorry. I couldn't <laughs> help myself. <laughs> Herb Simon, uh, he was an early scholar of organizational decision-making He said that attention becomes our scarcest resource in an information-rich world. And that was 50 years ago. I mean, the man never saw a mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, So, And and he hit it on the head. Yeah. Can you imagine what he'd say about the present? I mean, just to get to the day, we have to go on autopilot because we don't have any attention left. I mean, switching from task to task, medium to medium, it takes a lot of energy. Now, autopilot has its place because it limits the cognitive resources, you know, how much energy you have to use to get things done, all yeah. of the expanded decision-making. And it works well if the decisions are, are typical and low stakes, right? They don't count for a lot. 
like hitting delete on all the spam emails. That's easy. Or having your dinner meals all planned and predictable for week after week. Taco Tuesday, mac and cheese Wednesday, tostada Thursday. You know, you get the idea. Mac and cheese Wednesday. You don't don't like that? I love that. I like that one. Um, But autopilot is, of course, mechanical and rigid. And there are some times that we really need to be present to apply all of our creative and problem-solving power to the question in front of us, like responding to your boss's email. Just maybe. Or just addressing a concern raised by a coworker. But more than that, there's something to be said for just being aware, really aware and present, by which I mean attending to the here and now. That kind of focus allows us to be and apply our best selves. Without distraction, we can listen carefully. We can concentrate fully and really gain some mental clarity. And we're unburdened in those moments of mindfulness. That in and of itself is freeing. Yeah. Jennifer, I know you've done some reading on this. Maybe you could walk us through what some of the different approaches are to mindfulness. Yeah, sure. Um, There are two main perspectives on mindfulness, the Eastern tradition and the Western approach. And originally, mindfulness arose from from Buddhism and focuses on the practice of what they call bare attention. Bear, like brown and grizzly bear attention? I don't want that kind of attention. No, not a grizzly bear. Bear is an unencumbered or clear, without judgment, uh, neutral. And in the Eastern tradition, mindfulness is more introspective and focuses on looking inward, uh, grabbing the attention, really focusing, concentrating on thought, sensation, emotion, and even memories. Um, Bodhi described this as not wobbling or floating away from the object. And this is meant to convey the quality that mindfulness is it keeps the mind as steady as a stone instead of letting it bob around like a pumpkin in water. Oh, I love that image. <laughs> a stone versus a bobbing pumpkin. Yeah. Brilliant. Isn't that great? Um, yeah, it's, it's fun to read these these script, uh, scripts here um, from Bodhi and, and other um, great thinkers. So in the Eastern tradition, there are four main practices, uh, observation, remembering, discrimination, and contemplation. That sounds kind of similar to discernment. And for those of you keeping score at home, we discussed discernment in an earlier podcast. Right. So those who practice this type of mindfulness seem to be more aware and understanding of the ephemeral nature of the world. There is this acknowledgement that of the whole person and that the whole person is always changing and evolving through this practice. Okay. So that's uh, in the East, that the Eastern tradition. What about the Western tradition? Okay. Well, mindfulness in the West took root in around the 1970s and it's more grounded in uh, psychology and focuses on an active consideration of outward stimuli, such as events and words or actions uh, practitioners are actively choosing a mindset, um, and they're doing this through developmental practices and attention to the present. Um, so those who practice a Western approach to mindfulness actively change their thought processes. And this is the type of mindfulness taught by John kabat and Ellen Langer, who I mentioned earlier. Okay, so from what I understand... While they have differences, both of them focus on non-judgmental observation, right? Both enable a heightened state of alertness, concentration, and insight, 
And the idea is that this boosts productivity and in some cases, well-being. Yeah. And in in research in neuroscience, medicine, psychology is actually backing this up. Practicing mindfulness is good for the mind and body. Uh, Recent work on neuroplasticity. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it right there. Uh, Recent work on what? Neuroplasticity. Ooh. Hmm. The study of how the brain can change and adapt over time. It's really cool. Um, Like if you suffer a minor brain injury, in some cases, the the brain can rewire itself to function normally. It's really, really neat. Okay, so neuroplasticity. We got it. Okay, go on. Okay. Well, in these studies, researchers found that when we practice mindfulness, we are sending messages to our brain in this feedback loop to be more effective at dealing with everyday tasks when we are aware, observant, non-reactive, and non-judgmental. This causes our brain to make the changes that improve our ability to function mindfully. Like I said, kind of like this uh, overlapping uh, feedback loop. And this actually changes the brain particularly in areas involving interconnections, emotion regulation, and self-awareness. And all of this can improve our ability to handle stress, our attention, and our memory. Um, Other studies show that practicing mindfulness can actually lower um, anxiety and depression. There's a really good uh, recent 2021 article in Positive Psychology that summarizes all of this. It's a cheat sheet. All right. So you've covered a lot on the benefits of the mind there. I get excited. Um, I I know it's good stuff, (laughs) but I've got the impression that mindfulness practices are also good for sort of just overall health. Is that true too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, mindfulness can help you manage stress and this can reduce headaches and migraines, improve sleep. And like I said, memory. And you know, if I can get rid of migraines, I'm pretty much going to do it. Uh, Studies show that practicing mindfulness helps you lower your heart rate and your blood pressure and manage the symptoms of illnesses like chronic pain. Uh, There is a bunch more. But uh, I'm, I'm going to save you and stop now. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode of The, the Mac, Mac and Wooly Show. Show.